0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of Podcast 360, your go-to resource for medical news and clinical updates. I'm your moderator, Amanda Balby, with Consultant 360 Specialty Network. Today, I'm joined by the lead author of a new study that aimed to identify and quantify RNA mutations in the influenza A virus genome. She is Dr. Laura Fravis an associate professor in the Department of Materials, Science, and Engineering at Rutgers University in Piscataway, New Jersey. Thank you so much for joining me today, Dr. Fabrice. Let's dive into your study. To start, can you give us an overview of your study and its findings?
1: So, my group overall develops tools that can help virologists understand and monitor viral evolution. So our interest was to find a method that could look at individual cells infected by influenza A and understand what parameters, what characteristics, what tr- phenotypical traits of these cells could affect the replication of the virus or is, you know, how why a cell could become a super spreader or not. So our method develops very small nanoparticles that are clusters of atoms that are 100 nanometers in diameter. These particles are made of gold and we coat them so that they efficiently penetrate inside cells and they navigate the cytosol where the virus is also present. And these particles have also specific oligonucleotides bound to them that are uniquely designed to bind two conserved regions within the viral genome. So the influenza A virus has eight segments and each segment has two wings at the side of the segment that are highly conserved, even though the virus is known to highly mutate. So our particle binds very tightly those conserved regions and releases a, a signal upon binding of this oligonucleotide, this RNA. And so we monitor the presence, the intensity of the signal, and we try to localize it within the cell. So basically what we have observed in our study is that our particles are extremely selective toward the virus. As if, you know, if we introduce in the cell another viral genome, either a non-specific viral genome, or if we uh, design um, the particle for one segment and we introduce or express another segment within the cell, the signal doesn't appear. And not only the intensity varies with or without the presence of the viral genome, but it also changes if there are mutations within this specific sequence. So, while right now we are not targeting mutations because it's a little bit premature at this stage, in the future we expect that these particles could indicate also how fast the virus mutates within a cell.
0: Wow, that's great. So, how might these findings translate to clinical practice and impact how viruses might be managed in the future? Currently,
1: this study was framed within a large federally funded program that aims at understanding how RNA viruses mutate. And the goal is to uh, have an understanding of how vaccines in the future could be designed. The question will be, can we design a vaccine for which we don't have to wait for the virus to appear to understand its genome, to understand its immunological effect but evolves with the virus as the virus replicates within the body among people and within an entire population. So the idea would be that in the future, we will have a vaccine that is based on the same RNA backbone that the virus is based on and lacks specific parts that are, make the infectivity of the virus and the pathogenicity of the virus and leaves behind Uh, those parts that are uniquely suited to follow the virus as it replicates. And in particular, introducing some segments into this virus that will starve the virus to death. Because the viruses are known to need proteins to create the capsid so that they can leave the host cell and replicate outside. So if we design a vaccine that can evolve genomically and genetically with the virus, but lacks the ability to produce protein capsid, then this vaccine will go and steal the proteins from the actual virus, therefore starving it to death. So the idea of this study, our study looks at the single cells to understand at the single cell level, what are the features of each of them that lead the virus to evolve in a specific way so that in turn, we can design a priori vaccine that will evolve the same way. Another interesting development of what we have been doing will be to develop, in a similar way, diagnostic tools so that we don't need PCR amplification, we don't need uh, pre-treatment of the you know specimens of biofluid coming from the patient, but we can just use these particles which have high amplification power and high sensitivity to find the presence of the virus very readily within like 15, 10, 15 minutes. So these are the goals that are ahead of us in our future.
0: That's interesting. So what are the next steps in following through on those goals and influencing vaccine creation? So in the future, there is
1: obviously my work is at this stage very fundamental. It's not clinical. But we, my group collaborates closely with virologists, not only in the US, but around the world, looking at influenza as regards my specific work, but many other RNA viruses. And there is a lot of effort in understanding how to move forward. Specifically, as it concerns my project, our next step will be to further test these particles in their ability to identify the viruses not only in cells, but also in tissues of the upper respiratory tract system that is the most susceptible to the influenza A virus to understand whether vaccines designed following this approach are effectively going where the virus is. And as a consequence, we will first carry out these studies in ex vivo, that is with tissues extracted from the animals And then eventually we expect to look at them in vivo by using very tiny endoscopes going into their nostrils, into their upper respiratory tract system. Another aspect that we're trying to to target on is the possibility to really use these tools for very rapid sorting of cells that have or don't or not uh, viruses in themselves so that you know we can flow like you know with a flow cytometer many 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 cells under microscope and then only analyze those that have a uh, over a certain threshold of viral particles with them for instance as i was saying before what we are interested in is this phenomenon of the superspreaders superspreaders are either people or cells that have the ability to develop many viruses and produce many viruses and infect many people from only themselves. And so these are very tricky individuals or cells need to really be understood, not only to understand why they do that, but also to design preventive measures to stop them or to really address this this phenomenon.
0: Great. So what else should healthcare providers know about your study or your research in general? So nowadays there is
1: a lot of effort in, uh, in using nanomaterials to improve the way we diagnose diseases while the approaches have not become a, you know daily methods. Uh, I believe I've been working in this field for 15 years, uh, not only in viruses, but also in prostate cancer. And there is net advantage that is brought about by the use of these nanoparticles. As as I was saying before, they allow us to eliminate the need for preamplification steps when we have very minute amounts of biomarkers, whether they are protein biomarkers or they're genetic biomarkers. And so what I believe that my research, although I'm, I'm a chemist by training, but what I, I want my career to be based on is to really cross the border between physical and chemical sciences and clinical sciences so that we can really make our diagnostics and our studies to understand diseases faster, more rapid, cheaper, so that it can be extended not only to people with very good insurance or you know in rich countries but also to populations that might actually need these tests more there are people in poor regions of the world so yeah so this is the goal using nanomaterials to improve the detection of viruses the detection of uh, non-communicable diseases such as cancer and make this rapid and low cost you know because of the intrinsic ability of our nanoparticles to be prepared as uh, you know we can see them as Lego blocks we can you know match the blocks depending on what we want to build our particles work the same way while we have the core of the particle be the same way we can change all the molecules that that are bound to their surface so they target different viruses so you know any RNA virus for which we need to understand evolution response we can target with our nanoparticle. That means, you know, Influenza A, but also HIV or Ebola or all these, you know, high-risk, poorly managed RNA virus that evolve very, very rapidly.
0: Great. Thank you again so much for speaking with me today and answering my questions.
1: Thank you very much, Amanda. Uh, it was great talking to you. And hopefully, there'll be something that I've said that, you know, be interested interesting to our audience